0: I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
1: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And a lot of things going on last night and last night's game. And it added up to a boring, atrocious game of basketball that Lakers played about eight minutes of good hoops and ended up winning. And so second night of a back-to-back, a couple of debuts, and we'll we'll get into that. I want to start with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, it's so nice to see him playing basketball again. He did some things in that game last night, D, where like he blocked a couple of shots and altered a couple of others that the discrepancy between the level of rim protection that we've had over the last 20 games and the shots that he was blocking and altering, I like, I kind of like, I was startled a couple of times when he did it. And then just, he's so good. I know this is not, high-level analysis that Anthony Davis is so good but it's like it's this visceral response when I don't see him for a long time and then he comes back and then we get a couple of scares we got the whole Anthony Davis experience last night man so talk to me about what you saw from the return of AD
2: I thought Darwin saying he makes the game look easy is uh, that's also not high-level analysis but it captures exactly what it is that we're Mm -hmm. watching right and so There were – I had said to you yesterday, I think at some point, um, that there were several moments in the game where AD – the defense saw AD and they were like, oh, that's Anthony Davis there. Let me do something different than what I was about to do. And, Mm -hmm. And that is not what happens when they see Thomas Bryant. We talked about this the other day where it's just like TB can sort of be inviting that sort of attack mentality from-, from That's a the post. scouting
1: report, right? It's like, if you can jump, he has difficulty jumping off a back pedal.
2: And so Mike, like Pete was saying, there were the four block shots, but there were all of these other things where he just stopped the action or made the Spurs do something different. His first shift, his very first shift, It's one of the very first defensive possessions. Him and Rui come in the game at the same time. And one of the things I was watching for Rui, and we'll talk about him a little bit after this, was, a couple of the complaints I heard from Wizards people and people who follow the team is Rui can be good defensively on the ball, which we saw some of that last night, but off the ball, he can lose attentiveness and he can sort of just get a little mm-hmm. space cadetty off the ball a little bit. One of the first defensive possessions, Rui got beat back door and a guy back cut him. That guy got the ball and then he was going up and he elevated. And then AD came from the opposite side of the paint and enveloped that dude. And then I don't know if the ball went out of bounds or the guy ended up kicking the ball out. But basically that whole play reset and it reset because AD was basically brilliant Anthony Davis defensively. And that happened, Mike, over and over and over again last night where he thwarted what the other team was trying to do or he contested a shot where it wasn't his man, or he altered a look at the basket or made a guy pass when he wasn't going to pass and he wanted to shoot. And the Lakers had an 86.4 defensive rating with Anthony Davis on the court last night. When Thomas Bryant was on the court, the offensive rating for the Spurs was 112.8 or something in that range. And so that's not all Anthony Davis. He played in some better defensive lineups and yada, yada, yada. And there's a lot of context there. And I don't want to just put all of that on AD. But AD was a monster defensively in his minutes. And Darvin said it post game, Mike, he helped their defense so much. And
3: I miss this dude. This is the dude. This is
2: like, oh, man, yeah. hey, AD, I love you, dog.
3: Man, we could spend the whole pod just on AD and just on this game. The first thing that I thought of when you were saying that it it changed the way that some players are able to play, I thought of Schroeder, who had four steals and two blocks and was just so activated and flying Mm -hmm. all over the place and taking risks and gambling. And I wasn't really thinking about it at the time because Schroeder always plays hard, but maybe that's part of what plays into it, right? Maybe just having that security inside to just say, guards, go ahead, because this dude, the Spurs are just, they're turning the corner and they just look in there and they're like, oh, shit, you know, it's and it didn't it took him a couple of minutes. He was kind of just walking up the court and I was watching sometimes during the game. As I tell you guys, I'll have the broadcast in my ear and I might be looking something up. <clears throat> I'm definitely watching the action, but I'm I'm not always laser focused on it because I'm trying to do all these things. I was just mm-hmm. staring at Anthony Davis for the first couple of minutes to see how he's moving, to see if you look down at his foot. And he he wasn't looking down at his foot. That was good. But he wasn't really jumping, you know, and. And then all of a sudden, he just, it starts to come out. And and two minutes later, he's looking like full Anthony Davis. And it just shows to me the incredible gifts that this guy has. Playing NBA basketball and looking like that, not not necessarily like hitting shots, but just the, the basketball fluidity with which he was playing after five weeks off and no i mean sure he may have scrimmaged a little bit with the like assistant coaches and a couple of the G- the G League guys and it's that is just it's not easy to do it's not easy to do and he made it look super easy and then he goes for 21 12 and four blocks in 26 minutes you know like a full stat line for whatever how many how many players in the league can get that stat line period like 12 and he just does it like that in, in limited playing time so um i'm the health stuff. I asked him like, several questions about it, and he's basically like, "I'm good. I don't feel any pain." I, that's the only thing, the hurdle that remains for me. Like, how does this feel after a couple more games, and how does it feel in two weeks? But couldn't have been a better sign that he was able to come back like this. It, it does show that the that the bone and the stress reaction healed uh, in a way that was not necessarily even fully expected, and that's great. And uh, you know, it's it's hard not to come out, come out of there probably like LeBron did, feeling a little bit more sense of optimism in general after watching AD there, Pete.
1: Yeah, that... We've had a couple of times seeing AD come back from long-ish term injuries, and that was, I think, the best that we've seen him in the first game. One of my impressions has been when he's come back previous times is that it just takes him a little while to ramp up. And those first couple of minutes, I was doing the same thing you are doing Mike from my couch watching AD, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be like that he front-rimmed a free throw, or maybe it was a pull-up jump shirt, jumper, I don't remember, that barely grazed the front of the rim early on in that. And I was like,
3: yeah. This is how it's oh, gonna be, Pete, not- Pete. He was playing a little bit more like the AD that had been playing five weeks ago than the AD that played last year. Like right away, and that, yeah, like that was the thing that I was worried that he was gonna go back into that kind of settled jump shot, and he didn't really play like that. Especially as no. the game grew on, he's getting into the paint, like yeah, you know.
1: absolutely. And and I think that, and he spoke to this in the walk off that you did with him that little toe in the water the first couple of minutes and he felt good. And he's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, going to turn it up a little bit. And and just what he's capable of. I love the point that you made about Dennis, Mike, like, and he was so good defensively and that empowerment of the guards. And we're such a, an attacking team on both ends of the floor. A lot of times on this pod, we'll talk about it on offense and transition and things like that. But Dennis and Bev are attackers defensively and that ability to Gamble for steals or ball pressure a guy a little more, knowing they're probably going to beat you off the dribble. But if you can just ride their shoulder or their hip, that's going to be Anthony Davis back there. D. That is an empowering to the what I think the whole idea is. As is Rui, who I think we're going to get into in a minute. But I love that that point that Mike made about the the um, chain reaction effect of having Anthony Davis back there. I think catalyzes our guards defensively.
2: It totally does, and it also just makes everything feel more like NBA level defense on like on the back end. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, again, I don't want to pick on Thomas Bryant too much. And so like, I'll even compare AD to like what Wenyon does. Wenyon battles Mm -hmm. his tail off defensively and he, and he's helped the team in so many ways defensively and he plays that in between middle game well he he stabs the ball handler he's he's broken up logs behind him but the jump even from what Wenyon does to what AD does that's that's a light years jump AD is a defensive savant he is back there like basically there was a play
3: where a guy drove right into his chest it might have been Keldon johnson i don't know or bates diop zach collins the the when he packed him just like when he after he took the little contact on the baseline or a different oh. one
2: no this is a different one but all of those plays like all of the blocks was just
1: that's the point
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah 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 no the the point i was going to make because those were plays mike where he's actually blocking the ball right like he had that that great block on on jones too where it says like Like on the telecast, Stu was saying like he showed him the ball. He actually didn't show him the ball until way late. And AD was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to keep waiting until you actually do show me the ball. And then when you show me the ball, I'm just going to swipe it out. But the play I was talking about was you had mentioned several pods ago about how AD blocks a lot of shots with his right hand. And he doesn't often contest shots with with his left hand. So a, a guy drives into AD's chest and then he goes into a crouch And he's like sort of pump faking and really trying to time it. And AD is just hovering over him with his right hand sort of just like in this cocked position. Like once you even try this nonsense, I'm going to swat (laughs) this ball. Like don't even try it. I'm standing right next to you. And it's sort of like he was big brothering him in a way where it's just like you have no chance down here against me. And it's that level that he can produce on the back end of the defense that is going to make it so that every other player that he shares the court with is going to benefit from that level of defensive attentiveness. We've often talked about how the Rudy Gobert's of the world or the Draymond Green's of the world, the, the elite of the elite defensive players that play on the back line, how they are such a Floor raisers defensively. But that's not something that is often said about Anthony Davis, even though it's acknowledged that he is one of the best defensive players in the world. And, and, and so his, his gifts as a defensive player, they are like Christmas Day because they get handed out to everyone. It's, it's not just like, oh, I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm doing my job and my job is this. It's just like, no, it's like he is the rising tide defensively for the Lakers and as long as these other guys compete defensively with him like the
1: whole team is going to benefit absolutely and before we transition to Rui in the second part of the of the pod i had mentioned at the end of the yesterday's pod that you know the game the starting lineup in the game against the Spurs was going to tell us a lot and then we got news that AD was going to come off the bench with a bench res- uh, minutes restriction and it was the exact same starting lineup so it didn't tell us that however we did get the same front court that we'll have going forward, just in a different order. And Wenyon got a DNP in that. And so I'm just just curious. I thought that was something that stood out to me, Mike. So just curious your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I think that I would have loved to see some more of the bigger groups and specifically just some more, it was like the Beverly intruder and then Russ. And this probably all ties back in some degree to what Russ's role is now that AD is back and now that you have Hachimura and especially once Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker, the fourth, come back. But there were several different pockets of the game where you're sort of looking over to the bench and it was either like Troy Brown Jr. or Max Christie, both of whom I thought you know, played pretty well. Like Troy had seven rebounds in 21 minutes, hit two of his three threes. You know, just solid. I had a steal, and assist, it didn't make many mistakes. Uh, Max, I like a little bit more every time I see him play. And it just seems like Dennis is not the guy that I want to take off the floor. Like uh, he play he's been playing the most minutes in the team uh, recently. And you can tell that he's somebody that Darwin sort of fully trusts. And so you're back into that range of Beverly. And yet he was hitting all his shots. Beverly mm-hmm. had a season high 18 points, mm-hmm. right? Um, hit three threes. He made some, he made some things happen defensively and it was a tough game for us in a lot of, in, in a lot of aspects up until later in the fourth quarter. So those were the, Things that I was mainly thinking about, and then in terms of Wenyan, it's that's another area where you could just play fewer minutes to one of those guys and give Wenyan his. Like I, I would even even if it's five minutes a half, just Wenyan go out there and make some things happen, wreck some stuff on the offensive glass, fly around, you know, put some pressure on the other team. And it's probably easier said than done if you're going to play Thomas Bryant. A certain amount of minutes he played twenty one. And if you're going to play Anthony Davis's minutes are going to go up, right? As the restrictions drop, the, the minute restriction was, I think, 24, right? And so we played 25. The, the trainers are always like, it's fine if you go over by one, but let's you know take it easy here." And so I know, Darius, that's a lot of stuff to sift through. But the general feeling for me would be more of those bigger players, a little bit fewer of the three guard lineups. Uh, and, you know, you have to you might have to make a choice at times between sort of Beverly and Westbrook uh, in some of those rotations.
2: Yeah, I would have liked to have seen Yin play as well. Um, One of the things that is the numbers from last night's game aren't pretty, um, mostly because Russ was very bad last game. Mm -hmm. And so when he was the anchor on these numbers that I'm about to tell you, but the Russ-Dennis-Bev trio played 12 minutes together against the Spurs – um, they had a minus 34.9 net rating when they were on the court. And so most of that was on the offensive end. They could not score. Um, so like 75 offensive rating. <laughs> 75. <laughs> um, and a 110 defensive rating. And and so the Spurs scored well. Um, one of the things that, One of the reasons why I wanted to see Wenyon specifically last game, and I think this is going to be a theme going forward, is Mm -hmm. that the Lakers can be a relaxed team when they have all of their dudes. Like Some of this stems from LeBron, because LeBron's in his 20th season, and he's going to play the long game as much as he can. He has not been doing that in the last 20 games, because guess what? He hasn't had Anthony Davis, and the standings Mm -hmm. have been what they've been, and he's pushed – in order to get the team where they need to be. But it's no coincidence, Pete, that he played this game, but it's the second night of a back-to-back. AD's back. Rui's going to play? Like, oh, Austin's getting healthier. Lonnie's getting healthier. Guess what? My effort level is probably going to be in the 70% range this game. And I'll maybe push for a couple of stretches, but that's it. And Mm -hmm. the rest of the team was the same way. You know whose motor never does that? Wenyan Gabriels. And I just thought, man, like these lineups, they need just an infusion of boost and bounce and energy. And I feel like that's going to happen more and more over this next stretch of games as the team starts to acclimate to getting AD back because he does make the game look easy, but there are still parts of the game that aren't easy. And what you need is energy and what you need is effort. And so I'm hoping Wenyin works his way back in and that this was sort of a one game blip as things start to get sorted out. One shift a half to me isn't that hard to find.
1: And beyond just a a low energy game against a team, uh, along with everything that you said that I don't think the Lakers were afraid that they would beat them at any point. And that happens in the NBA all the time where a team goes like, yeah, we need to have a good to 10 minute stretch and we'll put this game away. that's exactly what happened in the fourth quarter um but beyond just yesterday's game i think that we have an incredible opportunity to put a bigger stronger faster athletic team out on the court of which is one of those guys that can contribute to that but one of the guys that i think really swings that is rui hachimura so let's take a break and when we come back let's talk about his debut
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: I'm not going to talk about Rui's debut through the lens of understanding Rui's game. I don't understand it that well yet. What I want to do, though, is come at it from a perspective of somebody who understands this Lakers team pretty well. And I've so struck Mike about just his size and athleticism and how it pairs with his jump shooting. He hit three jump shots in that game that all of which individually were like, oh yeah, we need that. So there's one in transition where he pulled up and off of a run and did a one-two step fluidly into a jumper that he knocked down. This was in the second half. Lonnie Walker's really the only other guy that we have on the team that shoots jumpers like that and can shoot on the run. And again, being on the run and attacking is important and having shooters that can step into a jumper like that. Danny Green was very good at stepping into these type of shots as well. KCP2. KCP would hit that three as well. Yes, and and so th- that type of shot jumper on the run is super important. The first jumper that he made was in the first half where the ball got swung to him in on the wing or the slot and he hit a hard dribble pull-up where he looked like he was gonna attack the basket. He got his defender on their back foot and he one two stepped into that mid-range pull-up, knocked it down very cleanly. And then the third one was on a post-up against KD Bates Diop. Just a beautiful move, like drop step fadeaway that you know you were saying before the the game. D, you're like, that's his shot. That's what he does. He was working on it with Phil Handy before the game. And so I'll get to the defensive side a a little bit later. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that. But Mike, I've been kind of pining for jump shooting, and it's not necessarily a shooter, but I think that a guy of his size – the way I saw it is like, he's going to be able to get these shots in high level playoff games, right? That six, eight guy that can elevate has a high release point and can comfortably hit a jump shot off of a one, two step. Even if it's from 18 feet, we don't have a lot of that. And he just stood out to me so much as a guy that was like, we don't have any other role player. That's remotely close to like him to being like him. And I just, James Worthy was talking about this in post game. I just think he adds this really wonderful dimension to what we'll be able to do on the offensive end.
3: And so curious your thoughts, man, uh, uh, on Rui's debut you know when you were saying that you're wouldn't consider yourself necessarily a Rui expert yet uh, as none of us are I was watching LeBron watch Rui before the game and LeBron was literally standing at the three-point line just sort of watching him warm up watching how he shot and it just made me have you know it just made me sort of like nod as an approving mm. um I don't know what I would be to whatever relation it would be to LeBron just you know he, he's Actually yep. studying him, uh, you know, Russ was not necessarily doing the same thing, but Russ already knows his uh, Russ knows his game from Washington. So that's the one thing I think that does help in that group. So with Rui, AD spoke after the game and he said he it was a little surprised because they kept calling the same sort of area ISO post up uh, for Rui that is often an Anthony Davis play. But then Davis watched how he did and it and said, yeah, OK, yeah, I like that. Run it again. Run it again. Like he's going to be able to get his shot in that sense. That is kind of what he does. It's the way that he sees basketball. He sees himself as a scorer first. And I do think that there, there will be a necessity for him to play in some of these bigger games. And, and when things get a little tighter of him to do what Kuzma did a little bit, who may have saw himself as a, as a scorer first, but had the body. And in some of the mindset to be able to impact in other ways. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw who's really evolve as a defender and as a passer. So that to me would be the hope as Hachimura gets some more experience, but he can already get buckets. And, and it's, to me, it's always about, this is kind of like a, a basketball philosophy in the NBA, but it's always about got, there's, there are guys that can do that. How, when to do that, how often to do it, how to do that in the context of Anthony Davis and LeBron Mm -hmm. are out there on the floor is one of them wanting it to happen because they have a tougher matchup or they've been working harder on defense or whatever that all that stuff to me, it's, I I don't want to go too far with it where you're just the guy that comes in and gets hot because you ultimately still on a LeBron and AD team do need to be a role player, but part of the role can be scoring uh, in those situations. So I I would like to go back to you guys on that as to, How often you go to that? What is the optimal time? uh, Because it it is pretty clear what that skill set is and how he can impact the game in that way, as he already did against the Spurs.
2: Well, I think some of this is going to come down to feel and how well how well all of these guys can learn each other and start to play off of each other, which is what time on the court means. I think it's super helpful to me that this trade happened. And Rui and AD basically come back at the same time, because what I wouldn't have necessarily have wanted was for Rui to get a bunch of reps in this version of the team that doesn't include Anthony Davis, where his role may have been bigger and then he has to scale back. I like him sort of hitting this runway on a version of the team where everyone is starting basically at the same place. Um and the core of this group is basically the same now integrating Lonnie. Lonnie's another sort of usage ish type of guy. But he Lonnie had already found his groove, I think, as more of a like he would almost cut out entirely, like pull up threes out of his menu and diet of shots that he was taking. He was Becoming much more of a spot up oriented and transition player and then rip through and get to the basket guy. And and so I think it took Lonnie a little bit of time to figure out exactly what his role was going to be within the offense. And then he found it and he played very efficiently for a very long stretch. And so I'm very hopeful that something similar can happen for Rui because I think both of those guys probably came into the league with the same ideas of what they were going to be as players, which was probably, you know, high teens, 20 point scorers, guys who could impact the game offensively. And the NBA has its way of telling you, of really telling you and making you be what you're actually going to be, Pete. And one of the things I saw from Rui last last game, and, I, and I'm going to say this and we'll see if this part is actually true. I think it was very much like, this is my first game. And so this is how I'm going to play. He passed up a bunch of shots in, or he passed up a bunch of opportunities to create shots for himself that I saw on the clips that I watched of him in Washington. He would have taken some of the passes that he received and he would have basically played on that Island that Mike had talked about the other day after the trade. And he didn't, Swung the ball to the corner, dribbled into something else, kicked it back up to the top. And he played a very giving game, even if he didn't have a lot of assists or anything
1: like team that. team leading plus 17 last night.
2: Yeah. And, and so I thought if I don't know if that's going to stay, because as a guy gets comfortable, it's it's like my wife, who is who is a kindergarten teacher. She always talks about how the first couple months of school, it's just like these kids are brand new to school. And so they literally have not been Mm -hmm. in this sort of environment before. Maybe they've had preschool or they've gone to TK or whatever, but now they're in school school and they are the, they are the big kids now they're kindergartners. Right. And so there's a lot of like rule following that happens in those first couple of months because it's all this socialization and understanding. And then around October, November, right after Halloween, these kids start to test the limits of like what's possible Mm -hmm. within this space because Mm -hmm. they're comfortable now. They now see this as their environment. And so that's going to happen for Rui too, right? Right now is that breaking in period. It's the like, okay, well, I'm going to make the extra pass. I'm going to defer, defer, defer. I'm going to look for my own when it's there for me. But for the most part, I'm going to play this sort of more balanced game and i mm-hmm. think that's intentional
1: and so i want to see how that evolves with him in in terms of flipping it the other way and and Answering your question, Mike, of when do we go to that with intentionality, the way that AD was talking about, hey, they're calling plays for Rui, that we usually run that for me, but he looks good in it. And uh, I think the time to do that is when there's a mismatch. He's somebody that Rui can do that pretty well anyway. There are gonna be times, especially in front courts, where it's him, LeBron, and AD, where one of the three guys responsible for defending those guys are just have no business guarding that guy. Like they can't guard him. And so this is something the Clippers do. I was watching him in the half court in particular, and he's a bigger, uh, athlete, but he reminded me of a Morris twin in some ways in his half court offense. And if you put a guy on Marcus Morris, for example, that that's not what he does, Morris is going to give you buckets. And, and we were lamenting the over the top shooting in the Clippers game. That was one thing that stood out to me about a way uh, about his athleticism and size and just physical attributes is he's an over the top shooter in a way that we haven't really had. And so that's the way I see it, Mike, is that like Rui, it's going to Rui, there'll be times to do it anyway, but he'll be really advantageous. Just in those groups alongside LeBron and AD where it's like you just run out of guys and the guy guarding Rui can't guard Rui.
3: And they did put him in several of those lineups with LeBron and AD and that immediately makes me think of okay well do you start that way mm-hmm. in the starting lineup and what does that give you offensively what does that give you defensively is the backcourt then is it Dennis Shooter and Beverly um, at the two is it Troy Brown is it you know, somebody else like once is it Lonnie when he comes back? Is it Austin? So there are a lot of options there. I think several of those work, and it's back to that discussion we had before, where I think it's going to take a few games. The trick is the next <laughs> game is against Boston, which isn't the best team to experiment. You know, in terms of lineups with, unlike uh, the Spurs was a pretty good team <laughs> to experiment with, right? And I don't know. I, I'm it's it is a bit fascinating to think about it. Do you guys have an early inkling after just watching a little bit of this as to what you would like to see and, and where you would like to see him in the verse in the starting line of versus off the bench
1: gosh that's a great that's a great question I'm I, I think I would like to start him it's part of a broader conversation that includes TB and Wenyon and when you were talking about Uh, D when you were talking about you were glad that Rui came back at the same time as AD because if if he had come back or if we had gotten Rui earlier he had gotten he would have gotten used to a role that he would not be playing long term and that I think is kind of if you need a guy to step in for Anthony Davis and give you some production Thomas Bryant is great for that in terms of having a guy a bench guy that can help you know they can help you win games and and be a part of a, a defense that you need to run. I think that's a little more iffy, especially if Wenyan's your other option on that. And so I actually like that we're playing Boston next, that we're going on this five-game road trip against a Brooklyn team, the Knicks. We got the Pelicans later on that trip. I think the Pacers are the other team because in those types of games you're we're going to learn a lot more truth than we do than we did against the Spurs for example right if something doesn't work we will know about it in the form of a 10 to two run or something along those uh along those lines whereas against the Spurs that's not really the case and so I I think I am m- more inclined after one game of watching Rui that to have him in the starting lineup whereas before I thought that um that he may be more off the bench but th- that's I think a good thing though, D, that he, that Darwin can go in a number of directions there. I think it's a good thing too. I actually don't have an answer
2: for this. Yeah.
1: Likewise. That's just my, my inclination.
2: Yeah. Like the Spurs game was so wonky in terms of rotations. I'm very interested to see what direction Darwin goes in, in general, um, because I don't know yet. And I want to see how the rotation plays out with just one more guard back. And what that means mm. for the group. One thing I will say, to the point that you made earlier, repeat about how if you have all three of those guys of LeBron, Rui, and AD on the court, one of them is going to have a matchup advantage. I actually think that that's true for Rui every time he shares the court with LeBron. So mm. when LeBron was watching Rui pre-game, Mike, let me ask you a question. How big and LeBron's a massive dude you know this because he almost pile drove you into the um the score Mike Mike held um, up Mike 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 held his ground
1: yeah no look look
2: (laughs) but Rui to me seems like another sort of big dude he's he's listed at 6'8 230 LeBron's listed at 6'9 to who knows what LeBron weighs now but how close in size is Rui to LeBron as someone who was standing
3: right next to both yeah, he's so he's not LeBron. I do want to I do want to emphasize that there. Yes, there he's not LeBron, but he's he's very big. Uh, he's he's a he is a like a powerful presence, right? Uh, kind of walking past him. So like, I, I was standing in the locker room between Hachimura and Max Christie uh, right after the game, just kind of waiting for one of them, waiting I think for Rui to go to the podium, and you know Max, who's nineteen, is in ridiculous shape right it, but and so muscles popping all over the place but he's still lean even at 200 pounds and Rui is is like also really strong but it just is just like thicker right and that's where that's where the comparison to LeBron comes and then where LeBron is unique to almost anybody else is that he is thick but also cut and still somehow lean within that thickness and and that's a lot of talking um, about the male physique there but yes he is large he is big and I think that like my first inclination, I want him in that starting spot, just in part because it almost forces the Lakers to be bigger, uh, and and then that allows for another bigger body to be available off the bench. Um, whereas if he's coming off the bench with AD, you know, then that's limiting. It's also it's tough to then also get Wenyon out there in any context, and it's tough to even get. It's going to be tough to get either Max Christie or Troy Brown Jr. Um, minutes, presuming that some of those go to Lonnie and Austin. So. If uh, and it it kind of gets right to that thing, hey other team, we know you're going to put your best defensive player on the perimeter on LeBron, uh, and you're going to have to your your center is going to have to guard AD, and again there are a lot of centers that can't even pretend to. And then who's that going to leave over for Hachimura, who can who can eat off of that a little bit maybe? And then when you then if depending on how those matchups work, then you can come off the bench with some of those other units and in, in those, those other sort of pressure units. So that's, that's where I am thinking early and and that's giving a nod to him over what we had talked about potentially with Thomas Bryant, but I kind of like to see that too. So yeah, it's like back in preseason mode. But my, my first thing is I, I like the idea of that bigger unit with uh with him at the three.
2: Pete, and so this is this is the point I was going, going to make when I was asking Mike about how big Rui was in comparison to LeBron, because I think any lineup in which Rui shares the court with, with LeBron, the defense is going to be put in an interesting predicament about, well, who guards Rui, right? Because a lot of teams aren't going to have another dude that size mm-hmm. to deploy on, like, there's not a bunch of like six, eight, two hundred and forty 240 guys just hanging around and
1: like, Oh, well we've got two of them. So go guard these two forwards. Absolutely. It, the one thing I would be a little, I don't know. One thing I noticed about Rui that's that pushes back a little against that is he plays, a, my observation so far at least, is he plays a little smaller than he actually is. Um, and his, greatest like physical, the way he leverages his physical attributes, it's that over the top shooting. It's like a combination of like that size, but it's not in a forceful, go through you type of way, as much as a guy like LeBron, who's bumping you with shoulders and elbows, Mike, you know, and and all of that. So that's just something I've noticed in a very little amount of time watching him.
3: I'm glad you said that because it already brought me down to earth a little bit. I'm just so excited to have some wing size uh, (laughs) (laughs) for a little bit like Darius when we first on the text thread, right? But to push back against my own point, I also don't love off the game off the like the, at the start of the game to think, oh yeah, the lesser defenders on Ruby Hachimura. Let's feature him over Anthony Davis or or LeBron. You know, so I I don't want it to, and that almost that almost sets up the hierarchy in a way that you don't want to right off the top. Whereas if he comes off the bench, that matchup isn't probably going to be great for him either, depending on because it's either going to be LeBron or AD back in the game. So. Um, that just I'm trying to avoid getting back to that small lineup where either Beverly or Brown is at the three and focus more on that positional size and how else do I get there unless starting Thomas Bryant um, which which has some sort of some of its own fallbacks but I do want to see that too so I'm I'm uh unconvinced of my own point I just I'm the one thing that I don't want is the continued small look.
1: Agreed. Well
2: one of the things about the starting lineup and I think that this will play out over time is is it's as much about balancing of skill sets and creating that hierarchy and like how many balls are there right because starting Bev and Dennis like whoever starts the shooting guard spot like you sort of need lower usage guys around right mm-hmm. and In the lineup where Rui was on the court with AD and LeBron, he actually didn't get very many touches at all. Yeah. Like, it was when one of those other guys sat that he was really starting to get the ball more. And and so, like, the thing about that, though, is that on the flip side of that, he's going to occupy someone in a way that is going to be super useful Because you can't just sell out and send all of these guys like there have been times where teams have been like, oh, well, your other guys are Patrick Beverly and Troy Brown. So, okay, well, we're putting our power forward who's kind of rangy. We're putting that guy on LeBron. Our center is on on AD. Well, guess what? Our small forward now, who is a rangy, typically a rangy athlete type, we're going to put that guy on Dennis Schroeder. Hmm. Right. And and so there is an ability to sort of just like just this dude being out there occupies someone that would typically have to go to someone else. And it's that slotting idea, but in a whole nother way, because you're just your presence just matters. Because just like you said, Pete, like there's not another dude on the team who plays his exact style at his exact size and is all of these things in a singular player. And it's going to be interesting interesting to see how Darwin sorts it all out and how he leverages all of the new tools and incoming tools and returning tools that, that he has at his disposal.
3: But isn't it great to be able to talk about that with Anthony Davis in that lineup? Uh, Yes. Kind of changes the whole conversation. So that's, that's, that remains the headline.
1: In, In some ways, like it's great to be at a place where like it's, it's great to be at a place where we have, Totally solid, good players out of the rotation, you know, like Darwin's actually gonna have some choices to make amongst guys that are pretty good players. And so the fact that we're at this point, you know, we can have two weeks before the trade deadline, I think is a great success for the team. And, and having AD come back uh, and looking the way that he did so quickly, physically, just very exciting times ahead. Let's, let's hope that we can get a stretch of good health. So we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, as we record this today, it's the three year anniversary of Kobe's death. It's been a minute since we talked about him. So so we'll be back to, tomorrow to talk about Kobe three years after his passing. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
2: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by
4: Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores.
1: There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good! the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It. It's on the way.
4: with his 8th block shot that
3: ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking around so, for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP Here's chance right, in, Boston, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe,
3: hard to believe. Are you no, kidding no. me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back
0: to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the He's move. Scored. Two, He's score. one. This it! it. And it's over. over. It's over. And shot popping out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean,
3: you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.